Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Moffler-Young, and my guest today is Dr. Joel Mudamale. Joel is a theologian, author, basketball enthusiast, and one of the only men on staff at Proverbs 31, a ministry designed for and mainly run by women. My interview with him was a genuine friend conversation that made me laugh, learn, and have to humble my own self. So I hope the same is true for you today. Thanks for listening. And here's my chat with Joel Mudamale. All right, Joel Mudamale, welcome to the Becoming Church podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Listen, it's not often that I get to interview somebody that I've actually shared a bowl of queso with after church on a Sunday morning. So this is fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not only have you shared queso, uh, but you've also had the privilege of seeing my children ab- <laughs> uh, absolutely chaotic and crazy fighting over each other, fighting for the queso, fighting to sit next to you. I think, you know, my wife and I were like, wow, this is so nice. They just want to hang out with Kristen and have nothing to do with us. So actually, we need to do that again soon. That's, that's We really do. What. We do. Tell you what, this time I'll bring my two girls. There and you then go. They can play with your kids and we can actually maybe have an adult conversation. That would be yeah, fantastic. that'd be nice. Imagine that. Imagine that. Oh my gosh. Well, you do for those of you who go to Mosaic or follow Mosaic Um, listen to sermons or watch things online, you probably already know Joel because he is a friend of Mosaic. He speaks uh, with us regularly. I think our people just consider you family at this point. Yeah. Well, I consider y'all family too. So it's, it's it's mutual completely. It's mutual. But your day job, your like full job is you work at Proverbs 31, um, which is a, I would say female led, mostly female uh, organization. Are you the only yeah. guy that's there? <laughs> yes, yeah. So uh, Proverbs 31 Ministries, I am one of four men that are there. Uh, when okay. I first started, actually, this is my seven-year anniversary. Oh, uh, no way. Uh, just like a week ago was my seven-year anniversary. And um, I've been friends and working with the ministry for almost 10 years. So um, just three years before that. Um, but yeah, when I first came on, it was like two of us. Um, and the other two uh, guys that were on, in the ministry. So I was number three. Uh, okay. I, I, I like to think of like the Holy Trinity of guys that were working there at the time. You know, we <laughs> we have a little bit of bragging rights. Uh, but uh, the other two guys were, <laughs> this is kind of funny, but they were uh, on the IT team. So they were like technology team members, you know? And yep. when I first walked in, if y'all don't know, like I'm Indian, like my parents are from India, immigrated, you know? So when I first walked in, I think some people just kind of expected like the Indian guy would be on the IT team. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so, uh, and I was not, like I am not. And every now and then people are like, hey, Joel, can you help me uh, with this? And I'd be like, is it because I'm Indian? And they get so panicked <laughs> and so, and I'm like, I'm joking, I'm kidding. It is a joke. Uh, but I honestly- You're like, but also me. no, I can't. I don't know how to but do honestly, that. But I, I, honestly, I can't now. <laughs> You got a question about the hypostatic union of Christ. We could have a fun conversation <laughs> about that, but how to get your Zoom recording to work? Nah, fam, um, yeah, I'm not going to no. be able to really help with that. We won't tell people how many times it took us to get this podcast started. So <laughs> clearly neither of us are technical wizards over here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I want to know, Joel, something that you have learned about women in your seven years of being surrounded by them and working with women, what's something that you've learned? Oh my gosh. Um, where do I start? I think one day there's going to have to, there's, 
there's going to have to be a book um, about this. Uh, I, I think one of the one of the things that I've found is, and this is a generalization, so I, I understand that. But sure. in terms of just a general um, observation that I've made is the ability to truly connect um, mm. in a way that doesn't require activity. You know, like like y'all can just sit down and get into it. You know, yeah. and I think for men, at least for me. I struggle with that. I kind of need some launching pad into conversation. Are we talking about basketball or about fantasy football? Are we like, what are we going to do something together? Like yeah. what is the activity that we're going to do? That is the entryway into the proximity of intimacy and relationship and all of, all of that. And I've just marveled at um, just this team that I'm around that when we have new staff members come in, uh, they can just like sit down at lunch and it's like, they're in, you know, they're, yeah. they're connected. And the other thing is y'all are funny, man. Like there's just like <laughs> fun, there's fun inside women jokes that are happening all the time. Um, yeah. The Amazon link sharing. I think that's like the new thing is like, everybody's kind of like who can outdo the other person with their new Amazon clothing find, which I think oh, is hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, forget Lulu melon and Gucci and all this other stuff. It's like, I got this on Amazon and, and this was my Amazon link. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. I'm still trying <laughs> to rock my Nikes. So yeah. if you find to rock your Nikes, I was going to say, my friend, you have so many peers. And then the third thing, so that's, I'll go three things. So then the third thing yes. would just be because my role is biblical and theological is um, I just, what I've learned is just your unique way, women's unique way to think about the text. You ask questions, you think about the Bible, you're exploring um, the whys and what's are, that are happening uh, in the text in a way that kind of my brain doesn't work that way, you know? And so oftentimes I'm sitting at a table just like thinking, literally I'll say, wow, I've never thought about it that way you know? Oh, that um, is cool. Yeah. And so I would directly attribute that to just the unique way that God has wired women, um, as the counterpart, um, for humanity, you know, for men. So yeah. I think that's, I think it's important, which that's is a wild cool. thought. It's a wild thought to think that without women in the context of teaching and ministry and, and exploring the Bible, there's half, if you just think about it, there's half of a perspective that's missing. You know, yeah. so imagine living your entire life with only having half a worldview or yeah. only having half of your body or only having half of, you know, a slice of pizza. Like, that's painful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, why? Why? Like, why only have a half of a slice? You could, like, you know, I'm being a little funny here, but I think the principle um, plays out in a profound way. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And I thank you for sharing that. Um, I could go on a whole separate tangent, which we will not do, but I do want to direct people to, I will link up. You've got some really fantastic things. You and I have dialogued about women in ministry and women in leadership and pastors and teaching and all of that stuff. Yeah. We aren't going to get into it today, maybe one day, but I will link a lot of it up in the show notes. So if that's something that as you're listening, you're like, oh my gosh, I've never thought of this, or I can't believe I'm hearing a man talk about, you know, the woman's perspective, especially when it comes to understanding the Bible. I'm going to direct you to the show notes and lots of goodness from Joel. So always appreciate your perspective on that. I do know there is one woman that's influenced you greatly. And I'm going to tell you why I have a particular specific thing in mind here. So your wife, Brittany, mm -hmm. her, she's a fantastic follow on Instagram. She is at almost Indian wife. And she's very clever when it comes to like reels and, and using trends to connect to her audience and all the things, right? So now as someone who has known you and followed you both for a long time, I've watched Brittany and every now and then you would pop up 
like in the family roles. And I'm like, oh, look, there's Joel in a reel. And there's Joel like doing a thing. Now, my friend, I, every time I open my Instagram app, I'm like, there's Joel on the stair stepper and there's Joel at the airport and there's Joel at the beach. And you are constantly dropping knowledge, like all the time. Did she, was she the reason, was she your like social media manager and just changed your Instagram game? Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a, Chris, I'm an academic at heart. I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I really care Same. about like, you know, uh, achievement and precision, like all this stuff. And so when it comes to social media, for me, it's a little challenging because I'm like, I want to present like the best, like I want to, I want to really get this thing right. You know, yeah. and I think there's a goodness to it. And Britt one day was just like, babe, nobody really cares. Like nobody really cares about, um, like you tied up in a, in a bow and, and crossing all the T's and dotting all like people just want to know yeah. the real you, like yeah. what, you know? And, um, and I began to really think about that. And, and honestly, it's probably a good segue into just the conversation of humility. And I was just like, well, I don't want people to see my weakness. I don't want people to hear me out of breath on a stair stepper because they realize how out of shape I am. Like, yeah. you know, and, and what if people get annoyed with that? And, and she was just like, but what if not? Like, what if it's helpful for them to see another human being that is struggling to do five minutes on the stair stepper because it's hard for them? You know, like, yeah. what if, like, and I was like, yeah, like, what if? And and why is it that I've got this deep-rooted sense of perfection that's in my heart that mm -hmm. I want everybody to see me in a certain way or look at me or believe something about me versus just the honest truth of who I am, you know? And yeah. this is where I am in my journey. This is the process of sanctification. Like, this is what it means to regain my true humanity. And I'm just going to be honest about my weaknesses and my frailty. And I'm going to be honest about things that I don't know. And I'm going to be honest with people about like, for instance, right now I'm working through the Bible in a year. Um, okay. I had this whole thought, right? I was like, Hey, I'm going to, for the first time ever, I'm going to do this chronological Bible in a year plan. Um, and before I, I invite people to join me. I've got to do it by myself first because I've never done this before. Oh, so like, I don't want to be a guide. You know, I don't want to be a guide right. who's like, you know, and then like, bro was like, well, why? Like, yeah. why not just yeah. like invite a bunch of people with right. you as you do it for the first time? Yeah. They can do it with you for the, and I was like, oh, All right. yeah. Yeah, like why not? And, <laughs> I don't have to be an expert on everything before I share it with ex other people. Exactly. Yeah. And Kristen, we've had over 3,500 people join this oh, thing, wow. you know? And it's unbelievable. Yeah. And um, it's been a truly humbling um, process for me to just recognize that what people, I think, deeply want is mm -hmm. connection and relatability. Yeah. And often what we, in terms of leadership or just even as individuals, what we want to give people is perfection and like mm -hmm. an image mm -hmm. of what this uh -huh. looks like. Those things work caught like directly opposed to each other so yeah you'll see some stair stepping i've got a real action that's gonna uh, go i think probably tomorrow on failure and it's me shooting hoops and missing a bunch of jump shots you know and i'm um, awesome. just talking about like yeah uh talking about like the reality of failure like there's not a single one of us that can live uh in the absence of failure so why in the world do we live a maddening reality of trying to like be faultless without any failure yeah. it just doesn't make sense well, you're an inspiration to me. So just know that because I have no problem talking on Instagram when I'm alone, <laughs> like when I'm in my car, or when I'm in my house or I'm in a place and I have tried this where I'm like, I'm going to just do a thing. And then I either completely lose any bit of anything that's relevant or makes any sense whatsoever, or I just get super self-conscious. So that's one of my goals this year is I'm like, you know what? 
I'm going to, I'm going to do Instagram and I'm going to talk to people, even if other people are watching me and it's okay. If I look like a goober, <laughs> it's all right. If it helps one person, then doesn't matter. I have, I have had a couple of people on the stair. Like I try to like find a stairmaster by myself, like in a corner, you know? Yeah. And there've been a couple of times that like I've started by myself and people will like, and there's kind of this unsaid rule that you always try to leave a gap in between. Like you're not trying to go right next sure. to somebody if you don't know them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And this one time this gal, like just, I, I don't know what it was. Maybe that was like her very specific stairmaster that she always used, but oh, she no. likes like right next to me, you know, and I'm like halfway in and I started my video and she like, she came up and I could feel her eyeballs in my <laughs> neck as I'm doing this thing uh, and get done. She's and then like, she like what asked are me, you doing? well, she actually, she was <laughs> like, are you like, what, what, what were you doing? You know, I was like, oh gosh. Okay. Let me try to explain this. Uh huh. So, um, yeah. You're like, all right, yeah. Lord, divine moments while I'm up yeah. here. Huffing yeah. it on the stairs, never. <laughs> yeah, well, I look like an absolute mess and a wreck. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about your book. You have a book coming out called The Hidden Peace, Finding Security, Strength, and Confidence Through Humility. I want to know, what did you see happening in the world that told you this was a book that was needed? Um. Yeah, I think I saw, and I am seeing, a lot of exhaustion, a lot mm. of fearfulness, um, mm -hmm. a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. um a lot of hustle like everybody's hustling everybody's yeah. grinding um and at the end of it what most people are really wanting is peace like what they want is shalom what they want is the world rightly ordered mm -hmm. what they're wanting is for their insides to have a type of fruitfulness that comes outside of them you know yeah. and i think you know, kind of my thesis on this or like my observation has just been, well, if I can just work harder, if I can get more money, if I can have more influence, if my Instagram could grow to a hundred thousand, if my, you know, videos had these types of likes, like if I put in whatever is your value proposition that equals, that will equal peace, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just not the case. Like, you yeah. know, there's this old rapper who once said the more money, the more problems. Uh -huh. and, uh, it's like, I kind of have that same basic proverbial principle about everything else. Like yeah. the, you know, the, the more Instagram followers, the more comments and cr critics that you have and the, trolls, uh, yeah. and trolls, you know, yes. the, um, the more, uh, money you have, uh, the more temptation there is to find, um, satisfaction security in fleeting things the mm -hmm. um the all of it you know like the more the larger your family is the more chaotic it is every day because every day a new child is getting hurt or sick right. or you know <laughs> having an emotional crisis and and you're thinking well i thought if i just had the picture perfect family that and it's just like there is no such thing and at the end of it you don't find peace you're finding more chaos and more dysfunction yeah. and more frustration and there's more fear that's creeping into your heart and it's this vicious cycle that just keeps going through. Um, and as I was just studying and reading the Bible and just working through my own life and my own journey, as a child of an immigrant family, um, my mom and dad you know, immigrated to the States in their 20s. I grew up in Chicago, mm -hmm. like literally one of the only Indian kids in a primarily black neighborhood, um, you know? And so there, I mean, just like, 
like, who am I? Where do I belong? How do I fit in? And trying to do all of the things just aggressively to try to find my place and to find peace. Um, at the end of it, like it just wasn't there. Even my academic journey, doing an undergrad and then an MDiv and a THM and a PhD and thinking, if I can just get these numbers, you know, these little letters in front of my name or after yeah. my name, that that's going to give me the sense of security. Um, and at the end of it, you know, Chris, at the end of my PhD journey, I was like, I'm dumb. <laughs> like, like I don't. <laughs> there's, I'm like, there's so much I don't know. Like, at the, truly, at the end of it, you you get done with a PhD, and anybody who gets done with a PhD and thinks I'm the gift to God's creation, like, I honestly, I don't want to read any of your books, and I don't oh want to probably God. be around you. Yeah. Like, because at the end of it, you realize, like, you're trying to write on such tiny little spot of like the world of research. And in that, you're getting just ripped apart yeah. day in yeah. and day out on what you don't know. Your German isn't good enough. Your Hebrew isn't good enough. Your Greek's not good enough. Like you didn't understand this cultural setting in the Second Temple Judaism. Like you go through all this stuff. Wow. And so even that, I'm like, oh, if I can just get a PhD, people call me Dr. Joel, like, great, I've I've arrived. And, you know, now I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> That's so not true. But there is something that the Bible invites us to, that Jesus yeah. himself invites us to, that actually will produce peace for us. And that is the most unexpected thing. People are turned off by it, but it's the it's a, the paradoxical nature of the kingdom of God. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's what's uh, down is up and what's up is down. And, and it's the gift of humility. Yeah. Um, and, and you're like, people are like, whoa, this, like, what? Like, I'm trying to get peace. I'm trying to get um, wholeness. I'm trying to get health. I'm trying to deal with my fear and my anxiety. And you're suggesting uh, humility, humility is the yeah. way, you know, they're like, mm -hmm. show me the exit sign. And I just want you to like, hold and pause for a second with me. And just consider this, that Jesus invites us to his life. And he says, um, let's do this exchange of yokes. And he says, take on my yoke because mm -hmm. I am gentle and humble, you know, and you will find rest. rest. That, yeah. that word rest is nothing less than peace it's shalom mm -hmm. you will you will find true joy true satisfaction um and yeah and so i think that has been the journey of what i was seeing in the world to why i wanted to write this it's not the book that i wanted to write like i didn't i didn't want the, like i i didn't i literally i had three okay. ideas when, I, when we went to the team and i was like and and i like actually downplayed this from the worst i was like this was actually my idea to make the other two look great you right. know <laughs> and and it was kind of overwhelming. It's like, wow, no, like I think God really wants his his family to take on the clothing and the life of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and if we say we love Jesus and we want to be like Jesus, then that really is a call to live the life, the humility way of Jesus. Yeah. Well, even just flipping through it, I could tell that it was a needed and that it was going to be a good book because it hurt my feelings, honestly, especially in part two. Thanks. Leave that but, on the Amazon review. Yes. The whole idea Great book hurt my feelings, hurt my feelings, which, which is a good sign. Um, but part two is called fighting to make my way work. And I was like, yeah. Oh dang, I don't want to read this. And so you've got statements in there, right? Like I can't keep it all together. I have to win at all costs. I'm not sure I've got what it takes. My heart tells me so. I was like, right. These are all things that I would, <laughs> statements I would make, which is why it hurts my feelings. But in these chapters, you do something, which we actually talked about already, right? Like having a different perspective and seeing things a different way, but you're able to take 
these statements or these ideas and kind of turn them. And you said um, in one of the sections, what if our, I think it was in the first one, what if our lack of control is actually a gracious gift of God? And so I feel like you're able to take these statements or thoughts that people have had about themselves or their lives or their lifestyles or God's will even and help them to shift it a little bit. Yeah. Is there something that you, you learned about yourself when you were doing that? Yeah, I learned that I'm a, I'm a controlling individual that wants people to like me, that wants to be perfect, perfect. and you know that um, doesn't want to lose at basketball, and uh, <laughs> like I, you know that uh, I, I mean I learned a lot like from a therapy standpoint. I learned a lot about the trauma of my childhood oh, wow. growing up yeah. in Chicago, yeah, that's in there like too. getting mm-hmm. getting made fun of, um, trying to find myself. There's a reason why I love Jordans today. I think I have a story in there uh, about how like as a from it as a child, like throughout high school, basically until I had my first job at Jimmy John's, by the way, my first like actual job, not in a church, like interning for like 50 cents a week, but yeah. like actually my first real job uh, was at Jimmy John's. And awesome. like the first paycheck I got was I bought a legit pair of Jordans because growing up my whole life, we bought shoes at Payless. Like my parents uh, we're very frugal. I actually realized yeah. they actually had a lot of money and, but we didn't, you know, like my parents had had money, <laughs> right. like, but they're like, you're not going to have money and you're right. going to have pay less shoes. Mm-hmm. And so we would do the buy one, get one half off and the whole oh, nine yeah. yards. And, um, I, you know, I was, a, I grew up in a very wealthy neighborhood, um, in Illinois and, you know, my friend's turn 16, they're driving Beamers, like their parents hand me down Beamers. And I rolled in in like a 1986 Honda Civic, like it it would be, you know, like just totally people could figure out like somebody doesn't belong here, (laughs) you know? And, um, and even through all of that, like insecurity of saying like, oh my gosh, like once I have make some money, like I'm never going to step into a Payless store ever again in my life, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, uh, all of that. And then what I found throughout the research and teaching, just experiential process is these things that I'm trying to own and capture as my own control. Um, I'm trying to have control of everything only to find out the more I think I have control, the more I'm losing control, um, fear, you know, like, I don't want to face fears. I want to overcome all of my fears and prevent all of my fears, all of these things. I've actually I actually came to the realization, and this is really what the, the text points us to, is mm-hmm. that these things are gracious gifts of God, because what they remind us of is who we are in light of who he is. And so some mm-hmm. people are like, Joel, I don't get humility, and I just have kind of a simple framing for humility. Humility is a three-part action. Humility is simply, first, it starts with knowing God. If I can know who God rightly is, who God is fully, then that frames who I am. So if I can know who God is, I can know who I am. And if I know who God is and I can know who I am, then I can know how I ought to rightly relate to other people. So Mm -hmm. it's this like three-part movement and the order matters. So what ends up happening sometimes is we bypass God and we just want to know ourselves And the only lens or framework for who we are is our own vices, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we relate to other people in light of who we are and what we want. And when we relate to other people, people either become pawns in our life, like chess pieces that we're willing to sacrifice for our own benefit, or if we have a lack of self-worth and a lack of understanding of our value in the economy of God's kingdom, we become the pawns. 
we're the yeah. ones who get walked on and hurt and you know and and biblical humility is not that it's actually something that regains our self-awareness so we can see something like our lack of control and say wow our lack of control is an invitation to trust in the total control that God has, you know, mm-hmm. or fear. Wow. Fear is actually not something that we're supposed to avoid or necessarily overcome and prevent. It's actually something we need to go through yeah. because it's in the through process of fear that God is transforming us into the image of his son, Jesus, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so these things do turn on themselves, but they only can turn on themselves when we regain a right awareness of who God is. There's this famous quote, Kristen, uh, by C- I think it's historically attributed to C.S. Lewis. It's debated nowadays, okay. but um, humility isn't thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less often. Less. I love that quote. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're, you're going to get mad at me now because I'm going <laughs> to, you're going to ruin it. I know. I know. And, and, uh, and it's dangerous <laughs> y'all. It's dangerous to argue with CS Lewis. I'm not going to, I'm not going to necessarily like reject what Lewis says, but I'm going to say that the order matters. And so I actually yeah. think it's, it's challenging um, to think of yourself less or less often when you don't know who you actually are in light of who God is. So it's not that it's so it actually starts with, we need to know God. Like humility is an invitation to understand and and view the majesty of who God is so that we can um, see ourselves rightly. Well, and I would venture to say, you know, you said we have to know God so we can know who we are. So we know how to relate to other people. I would venture to say that anybody who's like, well, I'm doing this good. And I don't think, I think I've skipped one. I feel like those are the people who live in echo chambers where the only people you're relating to are the people that are exactly like you, or they're telling you that you are exactly who you hope you are. (laughs) You know, there's no challenge. There's no growth. And that's very like, it's a dangerous place to be also. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a a great example of somebody like that. A couple people in my life are people who think that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. I mean, I'll tell you that right away. Like, why is Joel, who thinks Michael Jordan is a great, doesn't think, I know it, I'm confident of this uh-huh. of this truth, you know, that Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Why do I have good friends who believe the opposite? It's a humility thing. It's good <laughs> for me to hear their whack and wild, yes. like, manipulation of data to try to prove to me that, you know, like, but it gives so me So you can be all the more confident in what you know is so, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this actually might be hidden pride, not uh, humility pride. <laughs> But no, to, to your point of like, yeah, it's good to have people around us. And it requires humility yeah. to be able to sit in a conversation and to sit in a situation, sit in a church, to sit yeah. underneath leadership, to sit in vocationally at your work, yeah. you know, yeah. and to have to work with other people. And you're like, wow, um, I really dislike them. Like I would not hang out with them in real life, but I like, there's something good here. Yeah. If I can make it through the uncomfortableness of what I don't like. And what is the gift that we need in order to make it through that uncomfortableness? It's humility. Because if we can have humility, we can actually glean what is good without Mm -hmm. having to expose ourselves to all the danger of all the bad stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's humility of knowing not only what we don't like, but also being able to enter into what we don't understand or what we don't agree with even. I mean, that's one of the things that we're really trying to do at Mosaic is we keep talking about, you know, we're creating a table where people who wouldn't sit together outside of Mosaic can come into Mosaic and sit together and have conversations. And I mean, you and I don't align a hundred percent on everything that we believe, yeah. but we are good friends and we can have these conversations. And 
when we do have these conversations, it helps me to think and it helps me to process and dig in more. And so I think there's a big, I think pride and humility go together in more ways than people probably just like on the surface would mm-hmm. think, you know, pride yeah. is not just about like, I think people often go, oh, well, somebody that's prideful is somebody who's worried about what they look like all the time. Well, pride can also be somebody who thinks that they know everything <laughs> and is right all the time. You know, like I think there's a lot of different, a lot of different layers. There was a quote, there's a quote by Margaret Thatcher um, that says being powerful is like being, is being, okay, I'm already messed this up. Being powerful is like being a lady. If you have to tell people that you are, you aren't. And that's how yeah. I think about <laughs> humility, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. The more people that are like, oh, I'm humble. I'm so humble. I'm like, mm, I don't know that you are generally. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, what are some key things that people could identify in themselves? Maybe that might be signs that they need to lean into humility a little bit. Yeah. I mean, here, here's one of them is it's okay. So it feels like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, mm-hmm. you know? And so you kind of need a little bit of like that. I do this thing called a cold plunge now, Kristen. This is so weird, but I do this thing called the no, cold plunge. No, I want plunge. to start I'm, it. Yes, I love it. It's I, okay. my friend Levi Lusco got me onto it a couple of years ago, and now I'm obsessed. I got Brit into it, so we actually have like a whole cold plunge system in the garage now. It's it's amazing. But amazing. something happens to you when you first get into this cold water. It's like I think ours is set to like 40 degrees, 39. It goes between 39 to 40. It's very cold. Um, your body freaks out. Like uh-huh. it, it you, your body literally goes into like fight flight or freak out like like get the heck or out literally of freeze <laughs> you literally freeze you know and um and so you have so when that happens you have choices to make here and i think there's a similar kind of connection to humility like if you walk into a room and there's a bunch of people that are having a conversation and you walk up to that conversation and in your brain, you're thinking, I'm God's gift to this conversation. Whatever people are talking about is nothing compared to what I'm about to say. And you enter the conversation, and all of a sudden, you notice that the group of three that you joined dwindles to two, dwindles to one. And all of a sudden, you're standing there by yourself. Humility is probably what you need. You yeah. know, like there's just very practical, like, like if you find yourself um, in one way monologues with people, mm-hmm. like if you're just mm-hmm. talking a lot. And people are just kind of looking at you with a blank stare. It's like, hmm, like humility might be something that could help you in your life to move you from a one-way conversation with people, which is a monologue, to a two-way discussion with people, which is a dialogue. You know, so there's some very practical things there. Um, Some other things too is just like if you're living, if you're living constantly frustrated, like if you're constantly thinking in your life, it's always their problem. Why do they always do this? Why does why do they all like like if your initial reaction to life is they did something or the, and there's no ownership of the fact that hey the common denominator is actually you right like, like where where I go it feels like chaos and dysfunction follow but my initial reaction is what's wrong with them okay what's wrong with everyone else what's yeah. wrong with okay so this is these are invitations to humility so. I think people probably need at this point, like, I need to know exactly what is the payoff for me for humility. And so here's what I would suggest that the Bible teaches what you're going to get in the book. The payoff for humility absolutely is peace, right? Like you're going to get peace, but the path to peace is actually self-awareness. It's self-awareness. Humility gives you the gift of self-awareness. 
It helps you to see rightly so you can so you can do rightly. Humility gives you the gift of thinking rightly so that you can um, you can uh, kind of live your life in such a way that does provide peace internally and externally. What pride mm-hmm. does um, is pride actually hijacks our ability to be self-aware. It distorts our view and our interpretation of things. So, so pride tells us, hey, I'm going to help you think and, and live and be the clearest you've ever been. And along the way, all it's doing is creating more distortion in your life. You know, mm-hmm. So pride mm-hmm. is like this. This is the imagery. Pride's like a guide and it's telling you, hey, I want you to come up to this cliff with me. You're going to have the most beautiful view. It's going to be gorgeous. And, you, and, you, and you're like, yeah, pride's ab- like, absolutely. This is a great guide. I'm going to the very top, you know? And see the beauty. And the pride's like, hey, just pop your head over the cliff, you know, and see see what it's like. It's even better with your head dangling over a million feet underneath you. And you do that. And then pride pushes you off of the freaking cliff. Uh-huh. Like, and you fall. And so it's like, look at the distortion. Yeah. Maybe momentarily there's beauty. Maybe there's clarity in a moment. But that clarity is a, is a clever disguise to actually distort truth and reality in order to push you off the cliff. What humility does is it regains our self-awareness. Humility is a guardrail for us so that we can actually journey up to the very top of the mountain. And there's a guardrail mm-hmm. that protects us from being pushed off. Because we have a right awareness of who we are and light of who God is and what all of created order is so that we can find ourselves in the perfect place to experience the beauty of creation without buying into the belief that we're the pinnacle of creation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's good. That's good. I think humility is one of those things. I know for me personally, it's been an incredibly hard lesson to learn and one that I have had to learn over and over again. <laughs> Every time I'm like, I've got it. God's like, oh yeah, let me let me put you in another scenario. Why do you think it is that humility is such a slippery concept to master? Well, I think one is because we think humility, you just mentioned it. I think a lot of times we think humility is a checklist. Yeah. It's something we check off on our box and then we move on from. Yeah. Um, I, th- I find it super fascinating. The New Testament, Paul, he talks a lot about um, the fruit of the spirit. And he mm-hmm. uses, he's like, if I didn't know better, like Paul had had some side hobby as a farmer or something, because he uses okay. all these agricultural terminologies. And so in Galatians 5, he's got the fruit of the spirit and he's using all these agricultural terms. And what's fascinating to me is that he doesn't, in Galatians 5 specifically, he doesn't necessarily talk about the soil that the um, mm-hmm. that the fruit are rooted in. And yet everywhere else, he does talk about the nature and the, and the soil of the fruit of the spirit. And so this is a thought that doesn't originate new for me it's actually a thought that theologians and bible scholars and teachers have had for generate for ages you know and where they get it from is paul and where paul gets it from is jesus but the idea actually is that humility isn't a checkbox that we move on from humility is actually the soil that the christian life is cultivated in so what that means is just hmm. like any good soil we have to be constantly aware of what is going into the soil because whatever goes into the soil is going to directly impact what comes out of the soil and so if you have things like pride, hidden pride uh, in your life um, that go into the soil of humility, that corrupts humility in our lives, the fruit that comes out of the Christian life will be corrupted because the soil has has been fragranced by these negative um, kind of corrupt things. But if you cultivate a life of humility, the soil of your life is humility, then all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, like you can go through all of them, right? The gifts of the Spirit that God gives yeah. us to be healthy uh participants of the family of God, like all these things, they're actually going to be fragranced by humility. And humility ends up becoming so vital because it helps us know 
where and when we ought to use the gifts of the spirit that God gives us. It helps us to live empowered by the spirit, to live out the fruit of the spirit. And so humility isn't a checkbox that we move on from. It's the soil of the Christian life that we're rooted into. So what that requires of us is a constant return to questioning and looking at the soil that we have. Is it being corrupted? One of the things I think that is the most dangerous that corrupts um, the soil of humility is what I've referred to as hidden pride. Uh, Hidden pride is something so so destructive and deceitful because it hides in the chambers of the human heart and it presents itself as the fruit of the spirit. So, so hidden pride is like, but wait a minute, like I'm, I'm like doing all these things for the church, for my family, for my vocation, for my workplace. I'm being patient. I'm being kind. Like it presents itself as the fruit of the spirit, but at the center of the fruit, it's actually corrupt because the aim and the ambition isn't the glory of God. It's the glory of man. Glory of it's, it's, yeah. it's the glory of self, yeah. right? And the danger of this is you can actually live out hidden pride for a significant amount of time. Yeah. But at some point, as you bite into that fruit and you get all the way down there, you're going to take a bite and it's corrupt. Yeah. And you get a bite. And you're like, oh, that didn't taste good. Like, mm-hmm. oh, and then you realize, oh, I'm sick because I've been eating this fruit food that has been tainted, that has been corrupt, you know, on yeah. the inside. And humility is this great gift for us because it exposes hidden pride. It 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 ventures into the heart uh, chambers of humanity to be able to help us determine like, hey, why do I do the things that I do? You know, mm-hmm. like why, why, what is the actual motivation? Is it my glory or God's glory? And I've said before, um, but I think it's important Humanity was never designed to absorb God's glory. We were always created to be reflectors Mm -hmm. of God's glory. And humility is this beautiful gift that helps us to reflect the glory of God back onto God and onto creation to point them to the creator himself. Yeah. Humility, it sounds like has to be a a posture, basically. It's not something that we, you know, learn, check off, like you said, but it, it almost becomes the posture with which we do everything and th- we yeah. do everything through all of our conversations, our thoughts, our behaviors. I think everything has to come, you know, through a lens, through a posture of humility. Um, so for people, and I would that just are make this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just let me just make this last little, little comment here. Um, like this isn't exclusive to Christianity. Like this, oh, this is an sure. eternal yeah. truth. Like I was watching a documentary about um, two incredible uh, comedians. Uh, actually i'll just say who they are kevin hart and chris rock you know okay. so it's this netflix documentary and it's kind of going through their stories together and, and it talks about chris rock's um direct influence on kevin hart's life like he steps in and in humility he lifts kevin hart up and then you get into chris rock's story and you go whoa chris rock got his start because of eddie murphy eddie murphy stepped in and out of humility gave chris rock a, like like you get and and now you see them like they sold out arena at madison yeah. square garden like you know and so what happens is we see people at the peak of their of their success and we just think oh and but if you actually venture into the actual story, you'll actually mm-hmm. find evidences of humility in there that they were able to leverage and use and be able to say like, oh, wait a minute, like this actually is the path to the thing that I'm longing for. It's just the unexpected path, mm-hmm. you know, the humility to grind and to and to work hard in such a way. And this is true for, for Christians specifically. Like, I think this is, um, this is 
really, really important for us is that um, when we work, sometimes we work really hard because we think that if we can work hard, that we can get kind of the things that we want, you know, we can get the Mm -hmm. peace, we can get the stability, right? But humility actually helps us to see the value of our work, but won't let us define our worth by what we do. And so like humility ends up being a See, there you are hurting my feelings again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, humility helps us see the value of our work, but it won't let us define our worth by what we do. Oh, that's good. And that is only by God's grace that he doesn't allow us to do that, you know? And I think that was a piece too that you didn't explicitly say, but I heard you say, you know, when you're talking about, like we have to basically be aware of, you know, biting into the fruit and realizing that it's rotten. Well, that's where God's grace comes in. And I think sometimes people, I know for a fact, there are people that don't want to do self-awareness work because either pride is telling them like, hey, there's some ish under there that you don't want to uncover. (laughs) Like there's stuff that you don't want to know about yourself or they know it's going to be hard or painful, or they realize that with self-awareness is going to come the need to change, right? Yeah, yeah. So how does leaning into this, how does leaning into the hard work of self-awareness then lead to peace? Yeah. Why is it worth it? Yeah, because once you finally have self-awareness, so you're right, there's a tension point of the self-awareness is that the self-awareness leads us to action or inaction. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, you have to make that decision. Are you willing to act or, or not act? And yeah. so the, the temptation is that um, once I'm aware of these things, that I can just live with the way it is right now. But I just want to point this out. Like you've been trying that and it hasn't been working. Yeah. <laughs> you've been trying it. Like you have been trying to do this and you're still living chaotically. You still have, I had a friend the other day who's like, I've got this twitch in my eye and it will not go away and i'm that. like well how's your how's your anxiety in your life how are, how's your like you know and they're like hi and i was like <laughs> bro you've got a twitch in your eye your body is literally telling you there is a problem like, there is a problem <laughs> and and so like you can decide and you're like ah it's not that big of a deal and fine and that eye twitch turns into high blood pressure and high cholesterol and diabetes. You can go through all the things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the gift of humility is it truly is the self-awareness, which leads us to action, to doing the right thing. And then what it does for us is it it leads to rightly ordered, a rightly ordered life. And so um, this is where I think people sometimes misunderstand what humility is because they think that humility will lead us to experience a type of uh, peace that is void or absent of fear, weakness, or pain. That's not what humility does. And that's not what the gift of peace on this side of eternity is. The gift of humility is to experience a type of peace that doesn't uh, dismiss fear. It doesn't deny weakness. It doesn't avoid pain actually a gift that helps us to acknowledge our fears and weaknesses and process our pain in a way that redeems and brings meaning to all the hard stuff that we've endured. And so that's the gift that we need. Like think about the people of Israel as they're walking through the wilderness and through exile. The gift that they had was actually the presence of God himself in exile. Right. Right. And, and, and what does God do? He goes through exile with them. 
He leads them through the process. This is what humility does for us. It goes through so that we can actually regain our true humanity. Humility is the gift that actually returns us to the state of our Edenic vision of what Adam and Eve lived in Genesis chapters one and two, where there was true vulnerability. There was true authentic relationship that um, they lived in a posture of humility in the presence of God because they could experience all the beauty of God's good creation. Pride is what actually hijacked that. And so humility Mm -hmm. is God's grace to overcome the sinful seduction of pride. Well, I think you even hit on a misconception that people have of peace, right? That peace, I think a lot of times people think peace is like, oh, no problems. And everything is just like Zen and chill and whatever. But that's not actually what supernatural peace of God is. It's exactly what you said. It means that when that happens... You don't have to understand it. You don't have to have answers, but you can know that you're not in it alone. You can know that God's presence is there for you to tap into, to make sense of what doesn't make sense, you know, not necessarily through answers, but just through sense of being of, of his presence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's such a, uh, a, a weight lifted off of your shoulders. Because yeah. what it means is you don't have to have the answers for everything that, that's it. going on. Yeah. You don't have to do it. You don't have to conjure yeah. it up. You don't have to rely on your own strength or power or creative manipulation, like all of that. Like the gift is you get to live in the reality of what is and experience yeah. the peace and the presence of God and know that he has it because he's the one who has total control. He's the one who's going to establish final peace in the absence of those things when Jesus returns. Like, like he is the one that we long for. And so it just goes back to how we started with this exchange of yokes, that if you want rest, if you're tired, if you're weary, like trust Jesus when he says, let's do this exchange of yokes. Notice it's an exchange of yokes. It's not a removal of the yoke. Yeah, The exchange of yokes is that we get to have a a yoke we get to wear something on us that fits well so that we can actually carry the things Mm. that we have to carry on this side of eternity um and then the beauty of it's like there's some ancient uh, i kind of get into it in the book but the way that this yoke exchange actually worked in the um greco new testament world is one of the things was that the yoke was a double-sided yoke they would have a single yoke and a double-sided yoke and so there's one way to read this is that when Jesus says, hey, let's do an exchange of yokes, what he's actually inviting us to do is to take the empty slot that's right next to him so that we actually put on the perfect yoke of Christ and we're going. And every time it's hard, every time we're fearful, every time we experience pain, you look over your shoulder and you see to the right, there's Jesus. He's with you. He's walking carrying it with you. He's the one who's carrying the weight. And when we're tired, he's lifting it up, you know? And I think that's a beautiful picture for us to consider as we have this, you know, um, this life that we're living that is hard, that is difficult, that's mixed with joy and sorrow. Um, And humility is a gift that helps us like embrace the highest beauty of the joy, but also deal with and get through the lowest pain of the tragedy. Yeah. That's beautiful. I like that. I like that visual picture of, of Jesus. Obviously we're walking toward Jesus, but of Jesus just kind of being like right there beside me helping me face whatever it is that I need to face. You know, I don't have to chase after to catch up with him. He's not coming up from behind me, but just him kind of right there. I like that. Yeah. And that's the language of Galatians 5. The language of Galatians 5 is keeping step with the spirit, you know, and the spirit is the spirit of Christ. So the the Galatians 5 uses three different words, keeping step, walk by, and be led by. And all of it deals with proximity of being right next to the spirit. And so this that's the same idea. It keeps presenting itself over and over again. Yeah. Well, friends, I will link up Joel's book. I know it's for pre-order right now. We're very excited for it to come out. Joel, is there anything else that you wanted to say 
about yeah, peace I mean, or humility um, or Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I will say this about the pre-order. If you get the pre-order uh, right now, we have some uh, pre-order bonuses that I think are super fun and awesome. One of them um, is that you'll get the first three chapters right off the bat. And so um, if you want to um, have your feelings hurt, I don't know if that's yes. the best marketing pitch now for the book, but if you want to have your feelings hurt, you can uh, walk through the first three chapters. You'll get that as soon as you uh, pre-order. But then the other thing that you'll get is I created a um, an in, uh, a resource essentially, and it's called um, the it's basically the origin story of Jesus or the origin story of of Satan, the cost of pride, and um, and I make the connection. One, I think people have a lot of questions about Satan, like who mm-hmm. is he, where did he come from, how, like sure. how do we even, you know? So it's like, and I'm a fan of origin stories in general, so I'm like, hey, why not give an origin story of mm-hmm. Satan? And tie in the great cost that came with Satan's pride so we can learn from this. And so you'll get that instantly as well as you're waiting for the actual book to come your way. Um, And then the last thing I would just say is uh, this, I I really do believe in the season that's coming ahead for all of us. Um, As you just look at the the calendar from uh, the context of politics, from the context of Mm -hmm. um, church, from the context of our society, um, ethical questions and dilemmas, uh, issues of justice, like all these things that are coming our way. I really do believe the thing that is hiding in plain sight that God is gifting to us to, to navigate these storms in a way that honors him, honors ourselves and honors other image bearers of Christ is the gift of humility. And so my deep prayer is that this uh, book and really the book would just point you to Jesus and to take on the humble life of Christ so that you can navigate um, these very complex days that are coming ahead of us. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for that encouragement. Um, also, friends, just go follow Joel. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for the way that you are always able to take you can sign up for Joel's Substack, Humble Theology. I love how you're able to take these like massive concepts. There were some words that you said earlier in the show that I was like, I got to write this down because I don't know what that means. But you're always able to explain them in a way that anybody can understand to better understand scripture and the heart and character of God and all of that. So thank you for your continued work and words. And we'll get queso soon with the kids. We'll get queso soon. Absolutely. <laughs> I've added the special pre-order link for Hidden Peace to the show notes, so be sure to scroll down to take advantage of the bonus gifts that you get for ordering now, including a deep dive written by Joel that answers the question, how did Satan become the enemy? If there's one thing I know about Joel, it's that when he teaches, be it in written form or on the stair stepper, it's thorough. Be sure to grab his book and follow along with him on social media to get his 60-second theology snippets. And hey, while you're there, you might as well follow us too. You can follow Mosaic Church at Mosaic CLT, or you can follow along with me at Kristen Mocker Young. I've also linked up some other messages and resources on peace, control, and humility below in case you want to dig more into any of those topics. If you're looking for even more, check out the resources page at mosaicchurch.tv or send us a message at becomingchurch.tv. Until next time, keep becoming the church to the people around you.